Well, guys, I am so excited. Um, joining us right now, he is an amazing songwriter, and I've been so looking forward to talking to you, uh, Mr. Terry McBride. Thank you for uh, giving us some of your time today. Hey, Brett, it's a pleasure to see you and to meet yeah. you. Thanks for having me on. My boots are squeaking. I, I just came in from the snow. I can hear oh. this through my... Yeah, I've got these sort of UGG boots to try to get out in the snow. Are, are you in about, Nashville or Texas? Yeah, I'm just outside of Nashville. Oh, okay. So we, we got about seven inches of snow on oh, the ground, yeah. which is crazy for us. You know, here mm -hmm. it, it never sticks around. This is the third day of it. So it's oh, been yeah. uh, pretending like I'm living in Jackson Hole, Wyoming or something at the <laughs> moment because it's uh, <laughs> we don't have the elevation, but it kind of it, it's a lot of snow for us here. Oh, it is. I've been I've been keeping up. I'm supposed to be in Nashville uh, next Thursday and Friday, so I hope it'll be gone by then, though. Yeah, it will be. We're going to get another blast tomorrow, and then it'll warm up a little bit next week. But oh, there you are getting more. Yeah, we have ice and snow coming mm -hmm. tomorrow. Oh man, yeah, it's been a crazy. I think the high today is like 15. You know, it's just uh, unusual for us. Minus one at night and. We had this last year for a, about a week. I'm in my little studio and it's having a hard time warming up here today. It's about, <laughs> it's about 60 in here. So I got my jacket on. <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. Uh, well, yeah. I'm about, I guess about three hours and 45 minutes, four hours from Nashville. And uh, it's yeah. cold up here in the mountains too. It's in the you single bet. digits or it was this morning. Yeah. I think you Man. were about to get blown, blown away the last time we tried to do this. So yeah. Oh yeah, it was bad. Uh, we had a real bad storm, and uh, my internet connection would not cooperate. Yeah, I hear you. It came through here that night. We had those big gusts. It was uh, crazy for us too. But, um, but uh, well, you know, I'm I'm just going to start off with this. I remember, I am well. First off, Terry, I am a huge, <laughs> huge, and I tell all my guests this. Uh, I am a huge '90s country historian yeah and uh for some reason since i was eight nine years old my first text my first texas my first concert was little texas <laughs> at dollywood uh, oh crazy yeah when tim was what, what year was still that, that what would have been that? uh 91 92 oh wow right at the beginning of all that good stuff uh, oh yeah and yeah. uh i used to collect tapes and cds and <laughs> I, I knew everything so the first thing i wanted to jump into just to show you my fandom of 90s country <laughs> and why i even do this podcast is i bought the album or the tape uh i still call them albums and records but sure uh, i bought uh hurry sundown oh man and i wore it out my... oh man oh yeah yeah and, um... <laughs> that was about 93 yeah um, yep yeah so yeah you're just a little bit older than but yeah man i remember that record well i think yeah. i think i have a copy too somewhere i'll have to look i don't <laughs> i'd hope you would <laughs> <laughs> i i don't throw much out but i have a little place where i store all of my stuff that my wife doesn't want at our house so yeah <laughs> it, it works out really well it's kept our marriage going and uh yeah i can also work out of here i can record and do you know vocals and things and, yeah rehearse here it's a great space the band some of the guys come in one of our partners ray is from out in phoenix so 
Mm. If we do something in Nashville, he comes and stays a day, especially recording and things yeah. like that. So yeah, it's a good space and uh, it's a good place to keep all that stuff. I have a lot of that from the 90s as well, posters and some good stuff as well. well let me ask you, do you still, uh, do you ever play Love on the Loose still live? Or? Oh, every night. That's oh, good, set. good, good. Yeah, even, even solo shows, I'll do that. Okay. I usually kind of kick off the set sometime. It's just a fun good up tempo song you know oh yeah yeah that's cool i i wanted to get that out of the way just let you know <laughs> uh, i pr appreciate that to, those sales going all the way back oh yeah then. yeah definitely um well i am also a huge huge fan of songwriting and so looking at your uh list of songs that you have written uh and cut by other artists it's astounding <laughs> but uh, I want to know, as we get into this, tell me about your uh, friendship with Ronnie Dunn. I saw a lot of co-writes with Ronnie. I thought, yeah, it's pretty cool. Well, it's, you know, it's uh, it worked out. You know, this business is crazy. You meet all kinds of people. You never know how things are going to happen in life mm -hmm. in general. Yeah. And uh, especially in the business that I'm in, it's so uh, a lot of it's out of my control. Once I write a song, I don't really know where mm -hmm. it's going to go. I can try to direct it to maybe an artist or a producer or someone that I know and in hopes that maybe they might record it or just in hopes that they might like it, you know? Yeah. And then, and then we'll see what happens after that. But, uh, so I was, uh, you know, during those early nineties, like you talked about, uh, earlier as we were talking, uh, some of those acts we got to tour with, one of them was Brooks and Dunn, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and Kicks Brooks co-wrote a number one song for us, Sacred Ground. Oh, okay. Um, okay. Yeah, he's the co-writer on that song. So I actually met Kicks before I knew Ronnie. Oh, I met okay. I met Kicks at the number one party for Sacred Ground, which was a great way to meet a guy, you know. I mean oh, yeah. we were all high five and it was a fun event. And and Kicks is a great guy mm -hmm. and has, has been a dear friend uh, to me as well. He's just okay. uh, as solid as they come. We've yeah done a lot of things together uh, ronnie and kicks and i hunting racing cars you know okay. fun guide stuff and guide trips and we've been we did a lot of that over the years so kicks was just great at the end of the night you know on the road with those guys i'd go over and hang with kicks sometimes too just to get caught oh, up. okay good deal because i just like i like him you know just as a person he's been a friend for a long time but and as mcbride and the ride was winding down I was fortunate to start getting some songs recorded by other artists, George Strait, mm -hmm. John Anderson. It was exciting time for me as a songwriter, mm -hmm. you know, because I wasn't sure what was going to happen after the band. I wasn't really wanting to go put a band together and I've been doing it hard for the last five years, but I did mm -hmm. want to try to take a break and, and focus on writing. And because of that, I wrote with a couple people. One of those songs ended up being recorded by Brooks and Dunn. And it was a song called I am that man. It was a single on the Borderline album. It was the follow-up to My Maria. It was that yeah. that era. Okay. So with that being said, you know, I'm, I was over at the label one day. The guys were on Arista back then. And I ran into Ronnie, and he was just like, man, we cut your song. It's going to be a hit. We're going to release it. I was like, oh, my God, this is so great. Because it's great to get a song cut, but also having a song cut by one of your acts that you really respect. Mm -hmm. And I, I loved Ronnie voice he was one of my favorite singers i mm -hmm. mean from the first time i heard him i went well that's different and that's cool mm -hmm. 
he's that honky tonk tenor kind of guy. He's got oh, yeah. great range, those big ballads. He can kill it. Still sounds Fal- amazing. Oh, 70 years old and he's killing it. Mm-hmm. It's falsetto is so strong and like my Maria. And we had several songs that we wrote a couple of hits that were, we tried to include that kind of thing. So anyway, I met Ronnie really for the first time. He's like, man, come over to the house. I want to hang out. And, uh, you know, I've always been a fan. He just couldn't have been any nicer. He was just yeah. so cool, you know? And I was thrilled because he was one of my favorite singers. So I went yeah. over and met him, his wife, Janine, and we just hit it off, man. He said, Hey, I'm, I'm getting a bus. I'm getting off the band bus. He and kicks in the band were all still on one bus, you know? Oh, wow. It was, uh, they'd already had some hits, big hits, mm-hmm. first album, brand new man. All that was already out, you know, mm-hmm. but, um, they were getting ready to get his own bus. And he said, man, why don't you come go with me? I'm going to California for like 15 days. And I said, heck yeah, man, I'll, I'll do it. And we wrote like 10 songs on that, on that trip. <laughs> He's got you as one of them. And oh, there were okay. some others in that trip. So after that trip, Ronnie said, Hey man, this went so well. Let's do it again. When the bus rolls, just come get on it, you know? Uh, and that turned into 13 years. That's what I did. That was man. kind of my life from that moment forward. Uh, Ronnie would just call and say, Hey man, we're going to New York. We're going to go film. We're going out to tape the tonight show. Come go with, you know, it was just tons of mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to go hunt. We're going to go hang out. We're going to write. And it was just killer. Uh, and, um, I did it for 10 years and then the last three years they made a change in the band and they asked me to play bass. And so I ended up, I was in the band as well for three years, which was really crazy. I I mean, I love those guys. I kind of like being able to come and go. Now all of a sudden I was an employee as well. It was, (laughs) it was a lot, but uh, I still, I traveled with Ronnie. I rode the bus with him. So Mm -hmm. it was an easy gig. They flew me everywhere. They were uh, hillbilly rock stars, you know? So, Oh yeah. It was the best of times, and they treated me as an equal on everything they did. It was yeah. just they couldn't have treated me any better. And then uh, uh, with Ronnie and being in the band, I didn't really want to do it because I, I didn't. It was just a lot. I thought I want to get involved so much where I'm a friend, I'm a co-writer, now I'm mm-hmm. an employee. It was a lot, but they mm-hmm. were adamant. They're like, man. You're out here eating our catering every night. Come, come on. Uh, <laughs> Ronnie's like, nothing's going to change, man. We're going to, we're going to write hits. I went, dang, he's making it sound pretty good. He was, yeah, he was selling it, man. And then he said, Hey man, come on and uh, take the gig because the first night we're going to get in a little jet. We're going to fly out to Omaha, Nebraska, and we're going to open for the Rolling Stones. He said, so what? that was my, that was my first night in the band. Yeah. Opening for the Rolling Stones. So oh, I thought, wow. Yeah, it was a memorable wow. night, to say the least. And the Stones were killer. I'd heard them before, but oh, they were great that night. And mm. It was a fun, fun way to get started. And um, then that went up to about two, uh, you know, 2010. Then the guys retired mm-hmm. and took a break. At, you know, at that point, they right, just right. Hi- hiatus, as it is known now. But uh, and so I went on. I, I didn't play the farewell tour. I just felt like it was a time okay. for me to sort of exit and. Mm-hmm. I'd signed with a publishing company and I was trying to get back onto music row and get connected with everybody. And, you know, I, I still had done a lot of writing with co-writers with a lot of people on music row, but I really realized with Ronnie, you know, taking a break, I needed to focus on some other things, developed a couple of acts and, you know, just stay busy, just like I'm doing now, really yeah. still working with some young artists and, a lot of Texas guys and mm-hmm. it's uh it's keeping me busy. And then we're touring, you know, the, the band is touring and I'm doing solo 
shows as well. Getting ready yeah. to head out with D Doug Stone, another '90s. Oh, come actor. on! I have, I have several shows with him coming up. Since and last year. The, the, yeah, I guess it's going to be it. He's he's uh, he still sings good. He plays really well. I was mm. uh, I just did a show with him in Greenville, and he's just at that point where he's ready to take a break. You know. Oh man, yeah. Well, I, that's he's been doing it a long time. I I saw the he's, announcement that he was a. Uh, gonna try to start hanging it up yeah it's uh he went from the band he's doing mainly solo things now and mm -hmm. um then we do a little song swap type thing which is fun and okay. kind of get kind of gotten to know each other through that i knew a lot of his music he wasn't sure about the things i'd written he, he didn't know so it made it fun and the crowd is great they're it's our crowd you know and oh yeah he ends the night with pine box you can't beat that you know so yeah <laughs> uh Man. That's killer, killer song. Great tune. Oh yeah. Well, that's cool. That's very cool. Yeah. And so yeah, that kind of uh... that gets the year started off. And oh yeah. Then we're going down to Austin doing some cool stuff. I'm doing an event down there. I'm being inducted in the Texas Songwriter Hall of Fame. I see that. I was going to ask you about that. That's well, pretty incredible. <laughs> speaking of Ronnie, he's he's hosts that show. And yeah. So I'll be doing songs with him that night. Each inductee does three songs. And uh, so it's going to be special because Ronnie's a part of it, you know? Oh, man. And I, I see that um, Jack Ingram, John Randall, yeah. Ruthie mm -hmm. Foster, and Eric Johnson. I am yeah. not familiar with Eric or Ruthie, I don't think. Well, if you ever played Guitar Hero as a kid, okay, you, you might have heard the Cliffs of Dover. That oh. was one of the... That's Eric Johnson. Oh, oh, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, a lot of awesome. kids, a, a lot of people don't realize, might not know who he is. I mean, I, of course, I do and have. Yeah. Growing up in Austin forever, but he's a guitar hero. You know, he's a that that album alone. He's a Grammy winning, you mm -hmm. know, world world class guitar yes. player. Well, thank you. And uh, fun. I saw uh, Post Malone talking about him the other day because <laughs> he he learned to play guitar from Guitar Hero. Post Malone. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, that's what inspired him to play guitar. And so he said, if I could ever get to the point someday where maybe I could learn the Cliffs of Dover, he said. I thought, oh, that's wow. pretty pretty cool. You know, so that Eric is. has touched a lot of people. Oh. Ruthie is an, an amazing artist that I didn't know a lot about because I've been gone from Austin for a lot of years. So right. uh, she's really sort of a mainstay there, very respected. People love her. And you can see why when you check out her music and see what she's done. So it's a interesting cast. I've known Jack uh, forever. He recorded a song of mine early on. I was always a fan of his and John I've known and written mm -hmm. with over the years. And well, it's going to, it's going to be fun. It's a, you know, Texas is a, that's where I was born and raised and lived yeah. there until 91. And, mm -hmm. and now I go back all the time. Our music oh, is still, it's still accepted there. Our new music even is, Done well. We get a little airplay. I've had a couple hits on the Red Dirt charts, which is yeah. fun. And, and then I've had some hits with other artists, Josh Ward. and um, Oh, yeah. I know who that is. You know, a lot of these younger artists, there's there's tons of them. A couple of them I haven't even met that have recorded my songs, you know. But uh, there's a whole different, a whole world going on down there. That that brings me to this. You know, the um, it, it, they call it, what do they call it? The uh did you say red dirt country? yeah red yeah. red dirt chart that's actually a chart yeah it's, and, it's and all... red dirt yeah yeah it's huge 
Oh yeah. I mean, it's a, it, and it's pretty much just Texas, correct? Well, now it's it become Oklahoma? a, it's become a little more regional. It's okay. always, always kind of been Oklahoma, okay. but it's also New Mexico and Kansas. Oh, okay. Uh, and California, they even have uh, reporting stations in all of those states. Oh. Uh, for just the red dirt chart. Yeah. Oh, wow. It, yeah. it has expanded beyond Texas, but, uh, you know, with acts like Cody was uh-huh. really one of those guys, but way before Cody, it was Pat Green. It was Robert Earl King. You know, mm-hmm. when I was a kid, it was Jerry Jeff Walker. Willie Nelson was living in Austin. It was pretty mind blowing. Rusty Weir, Gary P. Nunn, Ray Wiley Hubbard. The list goes on and on. The outlaw movement was exploding when I was in high school in the seventies. Mm-hmm. So, I grew up 60 miles down the road and it was an exciting time to be a musician. I was in a band in high school and we were playing all of those songs from Jerry Jeff off of that Viva Terlingua record. Those songs were like hits in Texas, you know, and wow. uh, it was a fun, fun time. It's uh, were, y- were y'all playing in Austin a lot in high school? Or were you- we, we weren't doing Austin a lot, although we did play there. We were going to A&M, Bryan yeah. College Station, uh, doing like uh, frat parties and things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was a freshman in high school, and these guys were older. They were like junior, seniors, and freshmen in college. Oh wow! But they were they were wildly popular, very popular, real traditional country. It was all fair and young. Ray Price, tons. Oh wow! Tons of Johnny Bush because Johnny Bush was king in Texas in the seventies. He was the uh, and Gary Stewart and all that great stuff. You know, it was just the Texas. It was whatever you could two step to. You know, tons yeah. of shuffles. A little bit of, as things progressed, a little bit of ZZ Top and things like that, you know, for some rock and roll stuff. Man, you cut your teeth. You you learned from, I mean, you did. You, <laughs> you, you, you cut your teeth on some good stuff. You got a lot of uh, education just by being in that environment, I'm sure. Well, I did. I was fortunate to be in a band with these guys. We were all friends, but they were all, all really good musicians, especially mm-hmm. our steel guitar player who also played guitar. He was a... Uh, one of those brainy steel guitar guys, almost a mathematician. That's a crazy yeah. instrument, you know, but he was great with arrangements. But prior to that, Britt, my dad was an amazing musician. He was a touring musician. Yes, he was, uh, he was, uh, he had a dozen charted singles on billboard. He, uh, when I was in high school, he was on an independent label in Nashville, having some success. Mm-hmm. And William Morris was booking him. We had a tour bus. Oh, wow. And, my dad had built an amazing studio in Lampasses where I was growing up and we were bringing all these wonderful musicians from Austin over. And that's really how I got connected to the Austin scene was through these musicians. I was playing bass in my dad's studio and I would meet these guys and a couple in particular, Reese Winan was our piano player and Reese was playing with Delbert McClinton at the time. Oh, Then he went on to play with Stevie Ray Vaughan and now he's with Joe Bonamassa. But, uh, <laughs> Uh, Reese was uh, an amazing musician and he just kind of took me in. He had a gig for me, a cocktail lounge gig at the Hyatt Hotel in Austin, Texas. And he was part of that band. Ernie Durava was the drummer from the Texas Tornadoes. And he was really great friends with my dad. And he was our drummer that did a lot of the stuff in the studio. So I was getting connected and exposed to a lot of amazing musicians, you know. And uh, I was fortunate that a couple of them. Uh, you know, reached out and, and uh, helped me and introduced me to some people. And Reese put a band together. I was the lead singer and oh. it was kind of all, all of Delbert's band. Then later I auditioned for Delbert. And 
played bass for him for two years. Oh, wow. Okay. Went on the road with him in 86 and 87 and learned so much from that experience. I just loved yeah. Delbert. We hit it off and became more than just, you know, a guy playing bass. We became pals and, and uh, have over the years. And But, uh, yeah, I mean, the Texas scene was interesting going all the way back. Brit, I guess is kind of my point. Yeah. I don't know what, I don't know what my point is, but the music, the music, <laughs> Keep talking, that, I'm listening. <laughs> well, that music scene in Austin mm-hmm. was pretty exciting and Man. you can tell as I talk about it, think yeah. about it, it's still exciting. And uh, mm-hmm. some of the opportunities that I got along the way were just life-changing for me in a slow way. It was just, I was slowly moving forward. You know, it was, mm. uh, I was already well into my twenties and was kind of wondering what am I going to do? I'm kind of a well respected singing bass player at that point, who's Mm. writing songs, but you know, not having much luck with that. I was starting to make trips to Nashville and Mm -hmm. starting to meet some people, but I was really a working bass player at that point that could Mm. sing as well. That's kind of was my, my job at the time during my, struggling musician phase you know oh wow did your your dad influence a lot of your musical abilities and oh yeah oh yeah. he was the he was the major influence in yeah. my life i looked up to my dad he was like elvis he was a rockabilly guy in the beginning oh wow. he could play all that cool scotty moore guitar he was a he was an exceptional guitar player and mm. very self-taught but very schooled oh, wow. musician he could read and write notation he would write violin parts for our sessions by hand, and uh, which is an amazing feat that wow. I can't do. <laughs> wow. And not many people do much anymore unless you're in that world where it requires you to be knowledgeable of notes, yeah. you know, take the code of rest. But my dad taught me all that when I was a kid. He taught me how to read charts. So when I was 13, I could go on the road and I could read almost all of his set from a dance oh, cocktail set to his floor show, which included impersonations, five-string banjo yodeling, and then an hour or two of dance set after that. But he had it all written out in these enormous chord books, chart books, and a big music stand where you could spread it out, two, three, four pages long. And uh, he taught me to take the coda, the first ending, the second ending, and <laughs> oh, it was fun. Goodness. But it allowed me to sit in with the band I needed to know the song, but I could really read it as mm. a player, which would keep me from getting completely lost, you know, mm. which made the, made the band feel a whole lot better about me sitting in and playing, you know, <laughs> <laughs> the bass is a big note, especially when it's in the wrong key or, you know, Oh, it's, yeah. uh, it's a big, big note. I mean, it's uh, you need to be on and you need to know what you're doing. It's a simple oh, instrument. And that's the way my dad taught me to kind of play it. Keep it mm-hmm. simple. He was the guitar player. I was the guitar player. My dad gave me a guitar mm. when I was nine. But then when I was about 11, 12, he started grooming me to be his bass player. Okay. Was, yeah. Okay. He, he said, you want to play? Here's what I need. You know, I'm going to need a bass player. They're hard to find, especially one that can sing. You know, he was already Boy, telling me. the truth. <laughs> yeah. Wow. He's like, it here's is. how it's going to be. I went, Man. okay, I've got to work at it. Because that's what I wanted to do when I was a kid. I just wanted to, when you're young like that, you look up to your dad, you want to be in his band, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, man. it That just that blows my mind. I, I don't know if you know this guy or not. I just thought of him because he's the first person. I used to play with him all the time. But he, um, 
I feel like he does know you. His name's Tom Ryan. He's from Athens, Georgia, but he pl- he's a bass player and singer. And Tom Ryan. He, he traveled for years mm-hmm. with, uh, with a lot of uh, artists in Nashville. But well, wow. like, uh, oh, I bet I've run mistaken, into him somewhere on the way. Oh, he, yeah. So when you said it's hard to find a bass player, I used, you know, <laughs> it's 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 especially one that can sing, it's and sing yeah. harmonies. <laughs> Yeah, that's what I did a lot. A lot of that yeah. learned through learned through my dad, and then yeah. uh, started out in church. I was in the choir, mm-hmm. you know. Learned how to sing and read a little bit of music, and then uh, that was my first stage, I guess, the church. You know, so a pretty yeah. good crowd, oh, built yeah. in built built an audience every Sunday. Oh yeah, so yeah. That was that was a lot of fun, and and then my dad really kind of he wasn't crazy about me being a musician, which was kind of a strange thing when I was huh. young. I he just it was a struggle for him, right. you know. He had a lot of success, but no one really knows who he is. That's kind of the music mm. business and one mm. side of it, you know, an extremely talented guy, uh, mm. very respected and uh, very knowledgeable kind of guy. He really ran the studio. He could conduct and he was a, he was a really sharp guy, very serious. Mm. So when it came to me being in the band, you know, I was young, ready to do whatever, you know, but I'm also working for my dad, you know, so yeah. Had to reel it in to some degree. I also drove the bus a lot, so had responsibilities as a young guy out of high school. You know, my dad. Oh wow! My dad felt comfortable enough to let me drive this Greyhound bus across the country, double clutching four speed, and <laughs> that I'd had sideways on an interstate before in the rain, coming off an overpass with my dad sitting there, and the whole bus came up off the ground. You know, just sliding oh no yeah went fifth to fourth, fourth to third and the whole bus went sideways on us and my dad was yelling hold it in the road son <laughs> i remember distinctly to, at this, to this day him yelling hold it in the road son you know and somehow i did brit without taking out it was early in the morning oh, no. a lot of traffic yet and uh when you shift down it's almost like braking especially when the road is wet like that, you know? Oh man. Big concrete. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it was privately owned. I didn't have to have Oh, one, that's, see? yeah. Okay. It's a, it's a private owned coach. You can drive it like a motor home. You oh have your, man. You, you can have your grandma in there driving if you want, you know? <laughs> um, Which I'm surprised we did. We, we had a couple drivers that my grandmother would have been a better driver. I can tell you that. <laughs> did, uh, <laughs> did your father, um, did he get to see your success with McBride and the Rod? Or I don't right know. Right at the, his, the very story. end. Yeah, my dad passed away, unfortunately, in 92. Mm. Right, as our, right as our career was taken off. My mm-hmm. dad was diagnosed with a rare form of brain cancer, which is just sad mm. to even say it is sad, mm-hmm. let alone for a guy who passed away at 54, you know. Oh, wow. Um, now that I'm 65, it's really. Mm-hmm. You know, shocking how short my, my father's life was. But, uh, mm-hmm. you know, he did. We we were able. My dad was already ta- having treatment and he was in a bad way, but he made it out to the show. It was uh, I think it's called Dan- Dance Across Texas in Austin at the height of our sort of like 92, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and the stations there in Austin had just been wearing our songs out. They were just great. They were big old FM station there in particular a uh, case 101 it's still there today and the uh, kvet they just played the heck out of our songs so we had them lined up and packed the place and 
Uh, My dad was, he was amazed. He had also come to Dallas. We had played an amphitheater with the Judds. We were out on, mm. we were on tour with the Judds. Were you really? Oh yeah. We did the, we did tons of dates. We had the same manager. Um, so when we got signed and we signed to, to Ken, our manager, the first thing he did was put us on tour with the Judds, you know? Was that and, their farewell uh, tour? Yeah. It was right before the farewell tour. Oh, then wow. we did, and then we did a lot of the farewell tour as well mm. then then we did a lot of winona solo tour oh became, that first record that was yeah the very first single mm-hmm. that was skyrocketed <laughs> we became we became closer i i did with winona yeah. and spent some time with her her Huge mom back fan. in the day Huge yeah fan. they were they were great i mean yeah. they had a great great band their production everything was very you imagine i'd come from delbert r&b world to club band guy to this huge stage with all this production. And, oh yeah. Uh, it was amazing. I mean, I had a good taste of it with Delbert. We were on tour with Huey right. Lewis in, in 1986. Oh. We did the, we did the four tour with Huey Lewis, tower of power right on the heels of, you know, back to the future and all that. You oh. know, so Huey, Huey was a massive pop rock star during oh, that yeah. period, all arenas. And it was wonderful. And, Delbert exposed me to a lot of wonderful things and touring and like a master class of how to rock the house every night. You can't beat oh, that. I bet. You know? I bet you could learn a lot just by watching Delbert's uh, stage. Uh, oh, so, he's, you know. he's a pro. He's oh. a pro and he's a serious guy. And he's also a great songwriter. So I had that uh, as well going for me and oh, learning man, from a guy a- who had written some of my favorite songs, you know, it was, a great experience to say the least, but yeah, all that adds up. You know, I left Delbert because I was frustrated. I love Delbert. I love that gig. I could have just stayed there, you know, yeah. but I knew in my gut, I wanted to do more than just be a bass player. You know, there's nothing mm-hmm. wrong with that. If oh, you've yeah. got the right, if you've got the right gig and you're happy, then, you know, you can't put a price on that. Right. But, but for me, I was writing these songs and I, I wanted to try and, start writing more. I wanted to focus Mm. on it. I also wanted to clean my act up. I was, you know, I've been drinking a lot and Mm -hmm. I was, I was spiraling sort of down into a place I didn't want to be. So I took a break from all that. I got sober and I um, started writing these songs and man, shortly into that, not knowing what I was going to do phase, uh, my drummer friend from Delbert said, man, this guy, Bill Carter's putting a band together and looking for a bass player you should go audition because i'm gonna go i'm I'm gonna play drums you know i went and auditioned i got the gig and bill and his wife ruth ellsworth had been writing songs and getting them recorded by stevie ray vaughn he wrote uh-huh. they wrote crossfire oh. willie the wimp and his cadillac coffin oh. fabulous thunderbirds and so i got the gig so we left austin texas and hit the road open for stevie ray vaughn all the way to new york city and back and during that tour, I played some of my home demos for Bill. And then I met Ruth. When we get off that tour, they're like, let's start writing. I went to their house. We started writing. We started recording. And then we started making made our first trip to Nashville. And that's how I got signed from oh. our our trip through writing tunes. Those guys were amazing songwriters. They were oh. way into country music. They really liked my little country voice. And we just started writing songs around it. Can I count on you? Mm-hmm. Uh, same old star that whole burning up the road i think nine of those 11 are songs i wrote with bill and ruth and oh, gary wow. nicholson and that started me on my path you know to 
getting my foot in the door here in Nashville, thanks to those mm -hmm. guys and Jody Williams, who heard our demos and got us made appointments for us to meet every major label head in Nashville. It was uh, it was a great experience. I had been coming here though, Brett, you know, and being rejected, it wasn't going great. You know, I had good ideas, okay songs, but Nashville wasn't built on okay songs. You know, mm -hmm. it's uh, it required more than that. And with Bill and Ruth, they took me in. They elevated my level of writing. I, I learned so much from them and they used me as sort of the voice through these songs and I couldn't have been in a better position, you know? Oh man, that's incredible. I love hearing that. Um, tell me about, I, I love the title is incredible, but the EP is even better. Um, <laughs> the Marlboros and Avon that came out last year. Yeah. Uh, first record in 20 years yeah 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 i think the last record we did we got together briefly like an oh two maybe yeah and uh we cut this album that we were really proud of matt rawlings produced it and we all played and sang on it like we always did and mm -hmm. uh it was called uh amarillo sky mm -hmm. it was the song that jason aldean later recorded you know yeah. but uh we found that song from john rich he and Big Kenny had written it with a couple other writers. And um, we loved that song. We thought we yeah. had a hit. Unfortunately, our label thought it was too Texas, too regional, you know. You're kidding. But uh, I thought it was a bit. No, <laughs> unfortunately, no. I love y'all's version. I've, I've, oh, I've, man. I've, I heard that ver y'all's version way before uh, Aldine cut it. So Well, and really, you know, Aldine's uh, producer is my old publisher, Michael Knox. Oh, cool. He, and he said, man, you know, we love your version and uh, we're just going to rip it off. So they they kept a lot of what we did mm -hmm. with that because we really brought a lot to that little demo when we found the song. You know, we worked hard yeah. on that tune because we just felt it was it was a great song. I mean, I didn't yeah. write it. I just right. unfortunately we found it. But we knew we knew it was a good song. So sometimes that's the way it happens. You know, yeah. I mean, yeah, not, not everybody was on the same page. And if you don't have that, mm -hmm. you really then you really don't have a chance. So then. Um, so that was our next, you're right. This was our next project going all the way back to like Oh two. So, uh, that was 20 years. And, uh, we found this song through a guy who sent me a message on Facebook. He knew a lot of the writer friends and people that I knew. And so we talked a little bit and then he sent me this song and I was knocked out with it. It, um, he offered, he said, man, if you want to tweak it and make it your own. And there were a couple of things I wanted to say to make it more, personal right and uh, and he allowed me to do it he and bill that co-wrote it with him bill vaughn but uh just happened to find it in a roundabout kind of crazy way through facebook so uh but the demo was really huh. cool that he had we changed it a little bit but it just fit us you know and uh, played it for the guys they really could hear it after the first listen we could tell could be something it it, was, it it hit home for us, you know, and mm -hmm. uh, instead of just another honky tonk song, which we love all that kind of stuff, and yeah. I'm still doing and still singing, but it was something different. It was a little more, you know, it was reflecting back to those days that I remember well in high school, and then uh, mm. that era of people that are no longer with you, and it hit on it hit a lot of points with me and hit home for sure, and I think that's kind of what music should do so that's where we started like we felt something so maybe somebody else would and that started the uh ep that was sort of the centerpiece for our our uh, project moving forward and then we slowly wrote a couple things 
found a couple things that I older songs that I'd written that I loved, always wish that I had recorded. Since I didn't have the ride, I did record a solo album a couple years ago. Yeah. But, uh, you know, without the band, there were certain songs I just hadn't recorded. So uh-huh. like, a couple of them came in handy. Along Comes a Girl is a cool song. We've been doing the Webb Pierce Honky Tonk song since 91. I, okay. I, found a, I found a cassette that said San Angelo, Texas, Santa Fe Junction, 1991. And that version of us doing it was on that on that cassette. And uh, I was knocked out at how good it was, man. It was really a cool arrangement that we had. So we uh, we tweaked it a bit and went in the studio and cut that as well. That's cool. That's cool. Uh, uh, do y'all ever get, like, now that y'all, you know, doing some dates uh, as McBride and the Rod, do y'all ever get people come up and say, hey, why didn't y'all do that one song? Or, I, man, I <laughs> Or do you try yeah. to try to incorporate most of the hits during the set? Or oh yeah, I mean, Britt, what we're doing basically, aside from the few new tunes, you know, from the CP, and yeah. we do almost we do almost all of those in the set, except okay. for maybe one that we don't. Yeah, that's how you know we don't do that song yet, but it's a bigger song. And anyway, aside from those three four songs, it's basically. Our set, if you came and saw us, like you, you know, if you were a 10 year old kid in 92, it's the same set. Yeah. <laughs> we're, just, we're just doing it for the 90s fans, really. And also trying to incorporate a little bit of new music along the way, yeah. you know? Oh, yeah. We, we have mixed it up a little bit, but we do all the hits. Anything that was a, a hit, I say that, you know, first couple of singles, we might not do one here and there, but yeah. somebody's always disappointed that we didn't yeah. do something. They all had their. They all have their favorites, you know, and I yeah. get it. But yeah. uh, overall, the band still sounds good. Everybody still plays really well. Uh, that's awesome. They've never stopped playing. Billy yeah. Thomas, our drummer, has been with Vince Gill since McBride and the Ride. That's oh, Billy wow. singing high harmony on Little Liza Jane, oh. you know, going going back to like 92. Yeah. And so Billy was in Emmylou Harris's band, the hot band, when I met him. Mm. And... Uh, but he was also singing on these new Vince Gill records that our producer, Tony Brown, was producing, you know? Oh, yeah. So Tony introduced me to Billy because of that. He was kind of making a list in his head of people who might be cool to be in a band, you know? So when he signed me, he had this idea of a band, our producer, Tony Brown. So uh, he knew Ray because Tony had just produced that first album on Lyle Lovett. And uh, Ray was the guitar player on all those tracks on that Lyle Lovett record. Oh, wow. And, uh, and, and still is. Ray still plays on all those Lyle records. Um, so Tony was like, man, I know this guy, Ray Herndon. He's with Lyle, but he'd be great. And Billy's a great drummer. He, he had a steel guitar player in mind, Steve Fischel, that was in the band in the beginning. And um, then it kind of pared down to just the three of us, the singers, became yeah. the partners of the band. We changed that just a little bit, but we tweaked the band a bit. But uh, yeah. we've always had an amazing steel player. We had Bruce Bouton yes. on the road with us at the moment that's been with us for a while now. And he was uh, with Garth for 10 years or so in Reba, but he's mainly an A-team session guy. He played on all those Brooks and Dunn hits, Garth, mm. McBride and the Ride. He's a very respected guy. And he's older like us now, so he likes getting out just a little bit, you know, and now still who, playing. Who is that you mentioned, Garth? Bruce Bruce Bouton. I mean, Garth, I don't know who that is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah, that was a pretty good gig Yeah, he had yeah. there for a while. Uh, and, but 
an amazing uh, track record to play on an artist like that for sure. Uh, did y'all have a piano player? Yeah, we did. We had an amazing young kid named Jeffrey Roach. Okay. We 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 were just a four piece in the beginning, just yeah, you know, trio and and steel guitar, uh-huh. guitar, bass and drums, guitar and steel guitar, and then the arrangements got a little bit bigger. We we hired on this young kid, Jeffrey Roach. He'd never been on the road. He was a fine, upstanding young Christian man, and yeah. we completely, uh, yeah, we uh, we showed him the other <laughs> side of the life. But uh, yeah, it was so much fun. He was so you know innocent when we met him, and uh, he's still an amazing musician. He's a producer, does a lot of Christian stuff. Oh, cool session player. I still see him every now and then on a on a demo session. He'll be the guy they hired, and yeah, he's he's a great guy. He's a funny, funny guy. We had a lot of, and then we went through a. A slew of other players after yeah, that. A, cu- yeah. a couple, I say a slew, a couple others. Then the band broke up, and I had a whole completely different band for the last album, and uh, finally wrapped that up in '95. We had about a five-year run. That was it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. McBride, um, McBride and the Ride. But it was a. I mean, what a. Are, looking back on it, you know, now, aren't you glad you were part of that '90s country <laughs> machine? I mean, it's it's like its own genre. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. It, it really probably, you know, not only were there probably more artists signed during that period, but also so many memorable artists, which is really key to the '90s yeah. being successful. It was, yeah. uh, you know, it was Alan Jackson, it was Travis Tritt, it was Brooks and Dunn, it was Clint Black, it was mm-hmm. Joe Diffie, it was Diamond Rio. I mean, it, yeah. you know, it just goes on. It was Little Texas. It was, yeah, you know, it just, it, you know, whatever you like, there was a little bit of something for everybody mm-hmm. back then. And you know, really, even what we were doing, we were just bringing our sort of traditional country you know, arrangements to our sort of modern day uh, arrangements, really. What we grew up oh, on, yeah. we were just our spin on the music that we loved growing up. That's really all it was, whether it was, you know, we've been doing some dates with John Michael Montgomery and he's, uh, you know, he loved those big ballads of the uh, 70s like we did. You know, grew yeah. up on a lot of radio was those big, big pop ballads. And uh-huh. he actually took that, that he loved and, and turned it into his own style of he did. sort of country music. He was, he was mm-hmm. really his producer as well, of course, mm-hmm. but, and his team around him, but they found great songs that really fit who he wanted to be. You know? Oh yeah. His band was uh, killer. Oh, un- unbelievable. I mean, I went out front just to hear a few and I was surprised and had forgotten, of course, how many hits he had, Yeah, but, uh, and career songs, four or five weeks at number mm-hmm. one, you know, I can love you like that. And, mm-hmm. you know, it just went on and on for him. But it was fun to see him because we did a lot of dates with John Michael in the 90s. Okay. So it was really fun to reminisce for a bit. Eddie was out there at the time, just kind of oh, was he? the day-to-day guy. And I got to know Eddie. Eddie gave me a cassette. said, man, I'm a singer too, you know. And I said, I didn't know, Eddie. I didn't know you were a singer. And, and I I took his cassette on the, with me on the bus. And, man, I was surprised at just how – great he sounded you know mm-hmm. he had a really cool voice he was you know he wasn't signed or anything back then of course but yeah a talented bunch they're nephews and artists and a couple cousins and they've got a lot uh, of john's lot son of talent is uh his son exactly he's, uh, he's grinding every day now uh doing really well it looks like yeah um, my my favorite ballad 
Well, I don't know. I shouldn't say that I, of y'all's. I just one night, I guess, is probably top. It's probably up there. You know, I. <laughs> I mean, is that? Do you enjoy? I know you've seen all these all the time, but are, <laughs> yeah. do you the the ballads though? I mean, do you enjoy? Uh, I mean, what what do you enjoy? Do you enjoy the ballads, the up tempo? Do you enjoy the? Oh, I it's mean... it's all fun, and you know that's the thing about what we're doing. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not we're we're fortunate that we don't have to just fill our calendar with dates. We're able to take yeah. a lot of these cool dates, good dates, yeah. that keep us wanting to keep doing this. You know, mm-hmm. we put most of our money back into our our business, so yeah. we can record, yeah, so we can have socials and PR and all that good stuff that it takes. Yeah. Um, so we don't sweat having to do as many dates as some artists, but right. we do like doing the good dates and we do like going out and playing. So that's mm-hmm. the main, that's the main denominator that keeps us together because we still enjoy getting together and playing because everybody still yeah. plays and sings good. So if for us, when we show up, it's fun. I think oh, the crowd yeah, picks up on that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Our show was always a lot more up tempo than people realize because we had a lot of successful ballads, mm-hmm. the nineties, the nineties, as we were discussing is a, was a big part of that right. big ballad country yeah. uh, era. Mm-hmm. And, um, so yeah, those are still fun. Uh, that song in particular, uh, just one night we can break it down. That, that song was basically acapella, you know, uh, a tune that just featured those harmonies that McBride and the Ride was known for. And, uh, Ray's a big old baritone singer and Billy is that lilting high harmony guy that you, hope you could get in the band, you know? And uh, so together we had this sort of family brotherly blend that we didn't even realize we got together. Cause we thought we're all great, you know, great players. It's, we're going to be badass. It's going to be killer, you know? Yeah. And nobody cared about that. But the fact that we had this blend is harmonies and vocal Huge. group. Everybody cared about that. We mm-hmm. realized this, this is what we got to focus on. Not that, a lot of people can play, you know, but yeah. we have something unique here. And mm-hmm. it's these voices that people seem to like. So I tried to write moving forward, always with that in mind, you know, a chorus or a cool harmony part in the verse or whatever, just to sort of uh, complement our music, but also spotlight uh, those harmonies that were so important to us and to our fans. God, that one note towards the end. <laughs> Yeah, that song already starts out high, but a lot yeah. of the 90s, we modulated several. We had two hits, Can I Count on You, Going Out of My Mind. Those both That's modulate. Right. That's right. Uh, but that was a big deal in the 90s, a big dramatic mod. Oh, uh, man. Take it up a whole step as if it wasn't high already, you know. Oh, but Lord. Uh, Do y'all still play know. it? Do y'all still modulate live? Or Oh, yeah, we're still in the same still key. Still do it. Oh yeah, we don't gosh. even we don't even tune down. We're still we're punishing ourselves out there. We're forcing ourselves it. to be to be decent. But uh, <laughs> oh, I've no, yeah. you are. I've I've watched the videos <laughs> of uh, I've watched some solo <laughs> dates of yours, and you man, you're killing it. You're like John Barry. John Barry can oh, still yeah. sing like nobody's business, and so can oh. uh, T. Graham Brown. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but you're yeah. right there with them, Terry. Oh, you, man, you, uh, you do your your voice is uh. It's. I, I feel like it just gets better and better. It's like it's like a fine wine. Oh, Britt, I appreciate that, man. Those those guys are excellent singers. So I really I really appreciate that. T. Graham is so soulful, man. He still he bears down and still sings so good. But you're right, John. I, 
saw him, I think it was a couple years ago. Was it like a, oh, I, yeah, it was a country music cruise. Oh, yeah. And uh, I told him later, I just had to compliment him on just how good he sounded. You know, he's just, you know, we're all getting older, but I'm a lot wiser than I was when it comes to, <laughs> when it comes to singing and taking care of myself. Mm-hmm. I, uh, it's, I've realized the importance of it. Yeah. Uh, you can get away with a lot when you're younger and take a lot of things for granted when you're younger. But uh, if you're fortunate to stick around, then you have to kind of figure out how to uh, do everything you like moving forward Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) and do it and do it well. And singing is a big part of that. I have to take care of myself. Uh, I don't drink. So that's a big, I wouldn't have been able to do a lot of things if I continued right. you know, drink, drinking like yeah. I would, especially at the rate and the way I like to drink, you know? So yeah. just, I, I finally realized it. Unfortunately, it's not for me. I tried, yeah. I gave it all I could, you know, <laughs> and, uh, and fortunately survived and lived to tell the tales of whatever. I'm just so thankful the iPhone wasn't happening back then. You know, my kids don't have to see me with my shirt off, you know, acting crazy and, um, could you imagine the oh. you, you included those y'all that group of uh, <laughs> artists back then? If Woo. social media would have been around, <laughs> oh, it, it, it would have re- imploded a few careers for yeah. sure. Because, yeah, you know, we were having fun and getting away with whatever. It, you know, looking back though, it it was pretty harmless most of oh, it. Oh yeah, was, yeah, of course. It was, you know, fans. Everybody wants to know what was it like. We, it was a lot milder than you think, but the fans were so fantastic. You know, mm. I mean, we were proud of each and every one that we had, and mm-hmm. boy, we had we had a our, our good share of those loyal fans. And what's crazy, Britt, All these years later, they're still there. I mean, yeah, it's probably the most fun part of doing this for sure for me i'm a very hands-on type of person i'm also like hearing and i like responding and so the comments and what this music means to these fans has probably been the sweetest part of it you know Mm. Uh, they can just really you know melt your heart with some of these comments of what it means to them or where they were when they heard that song or when oh, they were wow. with their mom and dad and the stories mm-hmm. go on and on and, and it's uh that's special it's, it's very touching it really is and it's just powerful i have those feelings you know oh yeah with yeah. willie nelson if i mm. see him or i'm around him i'm giddy you know because uh i'm a fan first and foremost mm-hmm. and uh would never really be comfortable because i'm such a fan you know i mean yeah i, I had songwriters like that that i was such a fan of i could barely uh, you know, contain myself and just relax and try to write something great. You know, uh, Guy Clark, you know, people oh, like that. Wow, yeah. It just, it took me a while to kind of get myself together and realize what I'm doing. You know, what was but, that like uh, with, with, him? Was, am- was that it was amazing Brit, because, you know, I grew up, I told you earlier in the seventies and mm-hmm. I'd buy these albums and Jerry Jeff Walker and I'd see Guy Clark on there. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, who is this guy, Guy Clark? Mm-hmm. It's like 1970 five six seven i was a freshman 74 so it's that period when you i was in a band i was making money so i started buying records you know if i if i wasn't putting new mag tires and wheels on my car or dual exhaust you know what do you buying, have what what car do you well, have my, my very first car was a 72 chevelle come on and it was the malibu so it was really cool body it was the last year of oh. the of the muscle car look you know yeah uh, it was a killer car I just happened to get a great deal on it in high school. <laughs> and uh, 
And then I went to pickups after that. All my buddies had pickups, so I, I wanted a car, you know, something yeah. fast. I wanted yeah. something fast, faster than a truck. And then later, of course, I still have a truck, and I always have. But, uh, yeah, that 72 Chevelle. Later, I bought a, uh, a 72 Supersport with the 454 and the Cal induction hood. Oh, nobody would ride with me. I just was alone time. The girls, I have all girls. It had It was AC delete. It was just monster. You know, 400 horsepower, and I could leave a black mark for city block. It was so much fun. Oh, but, man. Uh, yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. So I, I was kind of a car guy. I'm really not anymore. I had a lot of fun mm. with it. But uh, but yeah, Guy Clark. Guy Clark when yeah. I when I got signed to MCA, Renee Bell was at the label, and she said, "Terry, I'm going to help you through this deal. I'm going to be your day to day person." She was Tony Brown's right hand person at the time. Yeah. And so she said, "I'm going to start keeping your books. I'm going to start booking you as cool writer." She was way into songwriters. She knew everyone. And my first co-write in Nashville was Guy Clark. That was my very first co-write. And, oh, uh, man. Oh, I couldn't sleep for days. It was horrible. You know, as, oh, excited, I as, I, as excited as I was, it was, oh, it was just fear and anxiety and, oh, all those. Jeez. I was definitely writing out of inspiration and a lot of perspiration, as they say. But Oh, man. Uh, but I had about five ideas. I was like, I'm not walking in there without yeah yeah a couple good ideas a couple backup plans and oh my god it was i was dreading it and couldn't wait at the same time you know and um guy was riding over to emi music at that time up on the uh -huh. very top floor he had a little oval window he could pop out and smoke through it yeah and uh so i met him and i tried to tell him how much he meant to me he's like ah oh, hey i don't want to hear that shit yeah he didn't, <laughs> didn't want to hear any of that <laughs> he's a big hulk of a guy he wasn't uh, real friendly, but you know, think, you know, here's Guy Clark. He mm. doesn't need someone to help him write a song, you know. Right. Yeah. And he's in Nashville trying to make a living by writing with guys like me who have a deal. You know, I just got signed to MCA. Mm. It's in his best interest that he write with a guy who's got a record deal. You right. Know? Yeah. Oh, he, yeah. He know me. He's just going on the word of Renee Bell, and I know in her mind she was thinking Terry's from Texas. Guys from Texas, you know, I, I get it. You know, she yeah, she was thinking it through and it did make sense, but she had no idea how much he meant to me, you know. Mm. But so anyway, I got in there and played him every idea, but he's like, Man, I really like that first idea you said. Let's work on it. We worked on it. It really things loosened up and he really made me feel good about hanging out and being there. And oh yeah. I was so relieved. And then he said, Hey man, let me I think I want to take this home. I said, I'd like to work on it a little bit. And then the next time I wrote with him, he invited me to his house. We no longer wrote downtown. Oh, wow. Yeah, he said, just come to the house next time, <laughs> and we'll finish this up. I'm like, oh, my God, thank God. And then he's like, as we're writing, you know, we got a little little bit started. He was, I was feeling good. He was feeling good. And he's like, hey, man, you want to get high? And I said, <laughs> I said, yes, sir. <laughs> Now I'm high with a guy. Now so it's like it was. I left there that day, Britt, going, you know, maybe I can do this. I don't know. I was. I thought oh. if it went bad, it might have crushed me. I might have not have recovered from it. You know, I mean, Golly. my hero. I don't know. That's... I'm just thankful, so thankful that mm. it was a positive day, mm -hmm. and I left there feeling okay, and I got invited back. You know. Yeah. So oh yeah. Thought, well. Now I get to go hang out with guys some more, which I did. We'd go have Mexican food and 
then we talked. We did way more talking than we did writing, but I loved it. I just loved everything he had to say. And mm. he had a woodworking shop down the bottom of his sort of townhouse he was living in. He had an exhaust fan in one window, but he had these beautiful guitars he was building. And I wanted one. He just mm. he built like one a year or two, maybe, you know, maybe one a year, but beautiful wood. He was a craftsman, you know, he could wow. used his hands and woodworking. And then they had a whole wall of cassettes. I think they recreated that whole little space. It's in the Country Music Hall of Fame now. Oh, is it really? Yeah, all of these cassettes on the wall. That's him. That's cool. He was funny. He said, "Yeah, these cassettes." Because someday I'm going to have to get updated to at least like a CD. You know. <laughs> Golly, are you um, are you recording any of this this year solo stuff, or is it just pretty much touring uh, and the? EP? Yeah, we're going to go back in the studio. We just released a single in Texas for Christmas called "Honky Tonkin' Xmas" down in Texas. And uh, is that it you got or a lot the, of, you and the boys? It's, McBride and the Ride oh, okay. was the band. I wrote it wrote it with the guys and my friend Bryce Long, great songwriter here oh, in sweet. Nashville. Okay. And um, yeah, it did really well. You know, it's uh, it uh, it got a lot of airplay, and it, it 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 came in on their big CDX chart, which is just there again. It's the Red Dirt chart. Yeah, it, oh yeah. It, it charted like a single. Uh, and with the other singles that are that are on the top 40 stuff oh, nice. but yeah we're getting some love down there so my goal mm -hmm. is for us to go in this year and record two three new songs mm -hmm. and release a single or two in texas because uh i have a I have a song i just found that i wrote 30 years ago called all around cowboy 1921 it's about oh, my grandfather wow. he was an all-around cowboy he was a he was a cowboy trying to find his way in a modern day life you know uh, he, he was a bus driver but he was a cowboy you know he's yeah trying to find a way to make a living he was a janitor he was a but he always had horses he was always breaking horses and he was i learned some of my first cuss words from him hitting the ground but uh uh he was an interesting guy he's a music lover he's a domino player and a lot of this song is is about that oh, going to cool. the Dom domino hall to pick my granddad up. And he's telling this old man, he's, he's an old man. He's telling, he said, hang on, son. I was just telling Roy about the time I was all around cowboy, you know? And, uh, <sighs> and it's a story about him and his buddy Emmett mm. Gower, a rodeo sort of legend there in central Texas. And, uh, but, uh, I love it, man. And I'm, I can't believe I let it slip away for 30 years. I found it on a cassette. Cause like I said, I don't throw anything out. I keep it all here at this little house and um, it's a great song. I'm I'm so proud of it. Wrote it with my friend, Bill Carter, Ruth Ellsworth, that I was talking to you about earlier. Yeah. Took me in and had success with Stevie Ray. And uh, it's just a great story song. And uh, that's one that we're going to cut. I just need to oh, find a couple more. I love that you just were, you found it. Uh, you forgot, yeah, I just forgot about it. it and it's like, I, yeah, man, I forgot. It. And then I forgot how good it was. It's a cool demo. I think my friend, David Grissom, uh, who's a great guitar player, played with Mellencamp, and mm. um, he's done Joe Ely, one of my heroes from Texas. And uh, I think it's, David's on the track, and it's great band, some of the same guys we used when I was living down there in the late 80s, you know. Mm. But, uh, yeah, and, and, I, cool. and I'm going to experiment with the uh, arrangement a little bit. I might want to do it a little more uh, Marty Robbins meets, you know, Trails. 
songs from the trail yes, yes. kind of vibe. Uh, there's just nothing like that anymore. There's and not. It might, it might be a direction to take it just for making it a little different, you know? Yeah. yeah. Instead of making it, we know what we can do with it to sound like it's maybe not necessarily Nashville or whatever, our country, right. but what if we put a little spin on it and really dated it and really make it something unique? Mm. So that's, that's what we have to find in the studio, Brett. That's kind of sometimes the elusive part of music is how do you want it to represent you? And after you track this in the studio, is it a, is it a, the true representation? Is it exactly like you thought it was going to be, or is it so wildly different? It came out better than you'd even imagined, you know? Do you enjoy that part of the process? Is that one of your oh, favorite I love parts? It. Yeah. Yeah. I love it because it is the, un, the great unknown. You yeah. Know? Have no idea what's going to happen until you get in there. It can go in any direction and we're sort of producing this. So we have to use, our producer ears, our mm -hmm. musician and mm -hmm. artist ears, our songwriting ears, you know, it all comes mm. into play in the studio, but we've all been doing it a long time. So we have a good idea. Oh yeah. But that's a, that particular song though, Brit, something like that. We're not set in stone on how it's going to be. Sometimes you get a demo and go, Oh man, let's just hope we can beat the demo. That song is so good, you know? <laughs> um, so this is, it's up to us to make this song, whatever we want it to be. And that's, that's the fun part. We do a little pre-production usually, so we don't just sit in the studio and waste time, but uh, we'll figure it out or as close to it as we can before we get there and then have fun. But uh, Oh, I'm excited yep. about that. We cut that EP at Peter Frampton's studio. Okay. Which, which was really exciting. Uh, all of his gear and cool stuff, is, we were able to use a lot of it, uh, including his killer vocal mic going all the way back to uh, mics that he bought when he was in Humble Pie. Wow. Peter Frampton. And uh, so, yeah, it was a great experience, great studio. And then we recorded cool. two or three things at the Castle, another great studio mm -hmm. here, oh, Franklin, yeah. Tennessee, where Alan Jackson cut every hit he ever had out there. And everybody from Miley to whoever is cut there. It's a great, uh, great room, the, great tracking room. Here's a question. I was up there, I was in Nashville a couple weeks ago. I had my buddy, uh, Jesse Keith. You know Lori's son. Oh um, yes. I, uh, on oh, I saw home, you did. Uh, I checked out a couple of your your podcasts. I saw he was on there. Yeah, uh, yeah. Lori. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, I'm actually this hadn't been announced yet, and I might have to edit it out. But uh, I'm, 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 <laughs> uh, is that I'm what you ready do? To announce it. Brett, do you can you condense this down to whatever you want? If oh it goes yeah, long or, yeah, yeah, you can. Hey, but everything that we've got, I am putting out because this has been a. I'm serious, Terry. This has been such a treat for me. Uh, oh man, just knowing that I'm talking to someone I used to listen to on tape as a kid riding my lawnmower in the country. <laughs> uh, I would. I'd, I'd have uh, no. my earphones in and the oh, tape. Oh man, hurry sundown and I was nothing I, better than that is it when you're young and you feel like you're driving on the lawnmower yeah, oh i yeah. used to love that my grandfather lived next door he had the mower but i did all the riding and yeah. oh i loved it man <laughs> that's same awesome. thing my favorite that's... songs and uh so I, I really appreciate that Britt. i feel it i mean that music from that era is so powerful and yes. even today through you you know i i feel it man I, and I, I appreciate that i was well, I was glad this worked out. I uh, I like you know where you're we're coming from as far as your podcast. I mean, just your love for that era. It's that's the reason I want to give a space for these stars from the '80s and '90s uh, to let people know, hey, they're still touring, they're still yeah making music, you know, and uh, 
so far it's got it's it's going real good but um i'm excited i was going to ask you the the castle you were talking about on our way yeah. home I, I passed by it I, it's on the four i forget what highway is four lane but i see a big castle looking thing on top of the hill that's not the oh one, yeah is it? no but that's an interesting okay. was that on 840 the loop yeah so you know yeah, what i'm yeah. talking about yeah <laughs> that's where they have the renaissance festival every year oh okay yeah was... they they used to i think maybe it has run its course now that's a privately owned home oh. that a guy started building in high school Britt. what <laughs> and now it's like a seven thousand square foot. that's i don't know how much square footage is in that home it's a massive castle it with is. the huge, huge turrets and yes, it, yes, it's unbelievable. Yeah, it's on the cliff top, right on eight forty. As you yeah, drive that's out of, it. That out is of it. Franklin. Okay, now, okay. This castle is every bit as interesting. Totally uh -huh. different. It looks just like a castle, and it was built supposedly, and really they have it documented back to Al Capone built this castle oh. as a as a getaway from Chicago when the heat was on, I guess he wanted a place to get away to. You're but, kidding. Uh, That's no, I, no oh, I'm wow. not kidding. Yeah, wow. I know. It's, and there's all kinds of history and things that trace it back to him. And, and now this family, I believe from Switzerland have owned it forever. It's beautiful. It's on the Harpeth river. Oh, it's, okay. uh, it's on old Hillsborough road. It's a oh, world okay. class. It's an amazing uh, studio has a little studio A and B, a big tracking room that was probably mm -hmm. once the living room, you know, mm -hmm. uh, it's, uh, it's not set up quite like a home. It does has a, does have the staircase in the tracking room going up to the second floor, which is interesting, oh, but wow. it's a great studio. That's cool. It's, it's kind of out in the country. It's kind of fun to get out, uh, you know, and record there. I live out here anyway, so it's great yeah. for me, but, yeah. but it's one of those one of those studios our engineers suggested and we thought yeah I've, I've done a lot of work there i i filmed a series of uh uh unplugged from my uh album i pulled like three or four songs off of that album oh. and i i re-recorded them and turned it into an ep with my friends a couple of my friends playing a, a guitar and fiddle singing harmony and i'm playing acoustic but we it's very unplugged but really really cool a song of mine love me some texas it's on there and is that on? Um, is that available? Yeah, you can find oh. it on my on my YouTube or wherever you want to go. You can oh, I'm going find to. it on my yeah, terrymcbridemusic.com, my yeah. my website. Uh it's on my socials as well. Mm -hmm. We've used them a lot. But that's the castle. You can see that tracking room oh, there. It has nice. A, I'm in front of a big fireplace, which like I said, that probably used to be the living room, you know. Oh, that's so but, cool. Uh, yeah, it's a great room. I have a friend that's had the B room for years out there, a young uh, talented uh, producer session guy but uh yeah it's a beautiful piece of property too oh, that's cool. uh, it's an amazing uh, uh amazing place we'll be sure to uh include all your links and all that when the episode drops oh, thanks. But I, I have one more question and i will be uh <laughs> i will be uh fit to be tied if i do not ask you about this um uh, me and billy dean had a big conversation about it but <laughs> one of my favorite if not it's probably my top three favorite movies of all time is eight seconds oh and, man and i love uh you'll be seeing that <laughs> do y'all still do y'all play that live or? oh yeah okay oh, yeah. okay that, what, what how, so did y'all get approached uh hey we're coming out with a movie uh we want y'all yeah. to record a song okay that was it i we were on mca and universal had the rights to the soundtrack 
Oh, and, okay. uh, so it was up to them to do what they wanted to with it. And they wanted uh-huh. to get a lot of their acts, which they did Vince Gill. And okay. I think Reba's in it. And she uh, is. Yep. that soundtrack was amazing, but they came to us and said, they sent me the script early on and said, Terry, read the script. And we wanted our, however we were uh, set up that year, we were due for a single. And if I wrote, a song that was a single, they would come with it. You know, we had a single and David Lee Murphy had a single. It's like out with a bang or whatever that Uh song was. Maybe that was just once. Just once. Oh, just once. That's the one from the single out with a bang. That's probably his first album. Yep. Uh, Yeah. You're right. This was his, that was his single from the soundtrack. You got to read the script. Yeah. They had the script to me. They, uh, it was really interesting. I still have it. And, um, and then once I, then they were like, don't even worry about writing a song based on the movie. We just need an up-tempo hit, you know, uh-huh. for the soundtrack. And yeah. so all I had on the road with me in the back of the bus at that time was my bass. So I had sort of that little feet. Yeah. I had that in my head. So I just wrote the beginning of that song on the bass. That's all I had. And uh, I had oh. those simple... No more crying. If I'm lying, then I'm dying. No more crying. I thought that's simple enough. That I love those inner rhymes, you know. Yeah. And then slowly whittled away on the core on the chorus. And then our producer for that soundtrack was Josh Leo, who had been producing Alabama and uh, a lot of cool acts during that. Period. Oh man, he was an LA guy that had played guitar on Betty Davis Eyes on that. Big, uh, oh, okay. And, uh, <laughs> he was an interesting guy. I really liked him, and we hit it off and. First time we wrote, we wrote that song together, No More Crying. Uh, and then uh, then we tracked it. It was going to be a single. And then they were like, we'd like to have you guys in the movie. Uh-huh. If you would do I said, oh, man, we got to be in the movie. And management fought us on it. They're like, that's going to take two or three days away from touring. I was like, oh, listen, my goodness. this is important to me. I really want to do this for posterity or whatever. You know, my legacy, whatever yeah. happens. You know, I could. I was almost a movie star, damn it. You know, but uh, and I tell people all the time when they come and see us, we're in the movie eight seconds for about six seconds. But I remember. it was it was worth it. It was so much fun. We spent the whole day with Luke Perry. You know, yeah, Stephen Baldwin all day. Yeah, Tuff Hedeman. Tuff Hedeman was there all day. He was. Oh, was uh, he okay? Oh yeah, he he was the. Uh, you know, he was there as their advisor. Yeah. Okay, uh, that's cool to me. And Lane Frost's wife was there. Yeah, she wow. was there as well. Um, well, that's so, yeah, a it was, special project, man. I'm, I just I had to was, ask you about that. It was so fun. Then I went to the world premiere at Billy Bob's. Oh, uh, you with did. Everybody, Mark Chestnut played, and a lot of us played that night. It was, oh. yeah, it was, it was a blast. This is. They reminded me the other day. This is the 30th anniversary of that movie. Oh, oh, yeah, wow. <laughs> yeah, 30 years ago. Oh man. Well, it's come coming up. I had to ask you about it. I, um, yeah, man. Well, my first trip to Austin, I'll close with this. My first trip to Austin <laughs> will be in April, towards the end oh, of April. Wow. So I'm excited. I've never been. What's happening? What are you doing down um, there? I'm going with Jesse uh, to, I think it's called Two Step In Festival. Oh, oh the festival. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And they're doing, a, uh, they're doing something for his dad that night. Cody Johnson oh. is. And so. Um, yeah. Yeah, so that's I'm the last, excited. Last year was the first year, okay, of the uh, of the two step in festival. 
I think it's the same organizers that organized the Austin City Limits Festival. Oh, nice. But it's so it's in Georgetown, Texas. Okay. Just down the just down the highway. You're only like less than thirty miles from Austin in Georgetown. Okay. But, uh, yeah, Austin's still a cool place. It barely resembles the place I grew up in. It's just become so massive, you know. Yeah. Uh, the gr- the growth is just shocking. Um, from the way it looked when I, right. you know, when I when I left there in '91, especially. But I've been back many many times. Like I said, looking forward to going back this year for. Yeah. Uh, and I already have tour dates in Texas, uh, Temple, uh-huh. and uh, Ranger, Texas. Both of those are with Doug Stone. Okay. Those are coming up. Those are coming up in March, and uh, yep. I'll be in Ohio with Doug in uh, the 17th of February, and then we're, we're slowly easing back into it. And then McBride and the Ride dates start after that. But, yeah, have your, your followers check us out. At, uh, oh, McBride I will. I'll, I'll, no you doubt. You know how to – all the socials and oh, links, yeah. I'm sure. Oh, yeah. We're going to promote it big time, man. <laughs> I I tell I, I am. And, Terry, I'm a fan. You're – you're. Uh, I can – I just – I love it, and I just want you to know how <laughs> how much I appreciate you giving me this uh, over an hour. Of, oh uh, man, it's just been fun, and I I, well, I want I want I all my no artists idea, to enjoy so it. That's, so that's always the good part when you don't even think about the time. So yeah, I've enjoyed yeah. it too, man. I, I appreciate you being kind and uh, you know considerate, and I, it's been a it's been a pleasure and part of the. This part of it for me is the fun of getting hearing your side of the story too. I, yeah, I know I, I did most of the talking, but I no, like that. Great. Uh, I just I like that you've led me into these stories that hopefully somebody wants to hear. You know, if not, yeah. we we had a good time visiting. No, it's sure awesome. It. Look, Lori, Lori's like Brit. I just I'm so tired of being on autopilot, and I just <laughs> I love because so me and her talk for almost two hours and. Yeah, and Mark Miller, Sawyer Brown, even told me that too. He's like, I, oh, I, I cool. don't like asking all the same, you know. So I try to make it different. I want it. I like it just being a conversation in a kitchen, yeah. you know, just hanging out. So I saw I scrolled down you. on your. Uh, I guess maybe it was Facebook or no, it yep. might have been YouTube or whatever. I found I had several of your your podcasts yeah. that I could I could scroll down. A lot of your buddies. Your, a lot of your buddies. yeah, man. No, absolutely. Then that's another great thing too. Yeah, we've. We've run into so many, so many people out here that we used to tour with and it's fun. I mean, we're proud of what we're doing. So that's, yeah. as long as we're doing it good like this and people leave, like you said, you know, we're, we can still sing and it, that makes it so much fun at night. Just mm-hmm. seeing the crowd mm-hmm. react and respond to it, you know, and yeah. they get the feeling that we're having fun and it, it's pretty contagious after that, you know? That's right. You were, you were part of something special and that's nineties country. It's uh, a, <laughs> and, and, and I'm so glad to know that y'all are, still at it and we're going to promote y'all like crazy and let everybody know your tour dates and i hope i hope i get to come by and yeah and man hang out one day so uh maybe oh, this year i'll look for some dates gotta do that we're just now adding a few more we're kind of scattered this year a little yeah. everywhere from minnesota to kansas city we've been playing a cool place in kansas city um uh, that uh called knuckleheads that we've this will be our third time to play there okay. it's a killer venue outdoor indoor they have it's a whole compound of cool cool venues several venues within one space it's really cool uh, but yeah we've got some interesting stuff coming up as fairs more dates with john michael i guess he's winding down this yeah year too, yeah from what i hear so it'll be fun i know we're up in montana with him so it's going to be interesting but, oh cool um, yeah i'd love to have you come out and all your, uh, your your followers and listeners come see us we'd love to yes, see you out there sir. Yes, sir. Well, thank you so much, and uh, I'll I will. I'll see you soon. 
Cool. Thanks, Brett. It's been a pleasure, man. All right, Terry. Thank you. See ya. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
doing now.